Good morning. That's very polite. Thank you. (laughs) I just want to pray for us first. Father, thank you so much for what it feels like, um, little uh, firecrackers going off all over this building this morning, of just little deposits of um, faith and hope and excitement. I just pray, Lord, for a real openness in our hearts to hear from you. I pray, Lord, for myself that I would bring what I feel that you are bringing to me and through me. And I ask, Lord, for us all that we would be receptive to what it is that you would bring this morning in your name. Amen. So I'm going to start by saying the passage that I am talking about today is one of the most exciting passages ever. So that's a good start, isn't it? That's going to keep us awake. Um, And to help us, it helps us to understand a bit of God's awesomeness and about how amazing he is and how mighty he is and how powerful he is. And I want us all to be able to leave with a bit of that, a bit of the understanding of how big our God is. And we're going to look at Peter whilst he was in the prison and this passage in Acts 12. But we're going to turn to Acts 12 in a bit. If you want to just have it open, that's fine. We're going to start reading from it in a minute. But first, I just want to give a little bit of background. Peter was one of the most influential leaders of his day. He was very well respected by the Christians. The Jewish leaders had condemned him for spending far too much time with the Gentiles. And King Herod, a different one to Jesus' birth, but King Herod was completely against Christianity and he was out to kill Peter, kill others, bring about a persecution and generally squash the uprising of this Christianity that was building. His plan was definitely to find ways of stamping it out. The Jews were also against this Christian uprising and he would try and placate them with some of the actions that he did. So he was trying to keep them on side and trying to be in favor with them. But he had a bit of a problem. He seized Peter and wanted to kill him. But the problem was we were just coming into the Passover time when the Jews were in the middle of their festivities. And because of that, it wouldn't have looked brilliant to just kill him there and then. So instead, he puts him into prison. And that's why Peter's now in prison. But Peter thinks, well, um, sorry, Herod thinks, well, how am I going to make sure that he doesn't escape? For some of us who know, Peter did escape before when he'd been put into prison. So obviously Herod would have this in his mind. And he was just like, well, what am I going to do? So he, he took it pretty seriously. And he put 16 guards out to watch Peter. Four men at a time on three-hour shifts. Two were cuffed to his hands, one on each side. And two were at the door. So he wasn't going anywhere. He'd got chains keeping him there. And he'd got people on the door. And he'd got to make sure that they stayed awake three-hour shifts at a time. Their guards could do that. So he was pretty serious, and then the plan was, as soon as Passover was over, bring him out, give a mock trial, and then execute him. That was the plan. However, something was happening, and this is the first bit of the Bible I want to read right now. Acts 12, verse 5. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God him. If we remember nothing else today, 
the church was earnestly praying to God for him. I love this word earnestly. It sounds very English, doesn't it? Earnestly praying. Some, some um, translations saying praying without ceasing. I think a modern translation would be praying with all your might, praying with everything you've got, praying everything, praying passionately, praying desperately, desperately praying for God, earnestly. Their leader was in prison. He was about to die, and they prayed, and they prayed, and they prayed. That's what was happening. God was their chance to change this unchangeable situation. Herod's killing of James had not long happened and would have definitely been in their minds. It would have been a massive blow for the church. On the one hand, these people knew that God could break in, powerfully break in, powerfully set prisoners free like he'd done before. And on the other hand, some of their friends had already died. Stephen had been stoned to death. James was dead. So the same God that can break in, will break in, Sometimes they see things not how they would have hoped happening. That's the reality of what was happening. They were living in this paradox reality. But they were praying that Peter would not die. They prayed without ceasing. Terry Virgo, he's one of my heroes. I'll talk about him in a minute. He says this about the early church in prayer. When the early church burst upon the scene we see that one of the pillars on which they built the church was prayer. Prayer was a key to their life together. They had watched Jesus and now continued his emphasis. They lived it out. They demonstrated it. They clearly believed in it. The early church was a praying force for God. A praying force for God. They passionately believed in him. They passionately had him within them. They were praying in the spirit for their friend who was about to die, but they knew God had the power to break in. Terry Virgo is a true man of prayer who passionately believes in prayer. When you hear him talking about prayer, everyone wants to pray. He's one of those people. He recently came to Shrewsbury and he told Terry and I that his Friday night prayer meetings were the place to be in the church. They were the place to be. Prayer meetings are never the place to be. They were for him. He was so passionately in awe of God, so passionately desperate to pray to God, so passionately desperate that God would break in. That was the place to be. People passionately praying to God, excited in his presence. And here we have the early church. Peter is in prison. The church were left with one weapon, and that weapon was to pray. One weapon, their key to their life together. I wonder, do we see prayer as our one weapon? Do we see it like that? Do we see it as the key, the key to our lives together? Do we see prayer like that? Or is prayer, or does prayer sometimes become, I think that we have to be honest here, and sometimes there's seasons for us of being more passionately about prayer, definitely for me, at the moment, you might notice I'm a bit passionate, so that's, that's why I'm sounding so excited. But sometimes we go through seasons when we're not, and then we have to make some choices, don't we? We have to say, no, we believe that God is overall, in all, through all. Right here, we need to see this and see that, you know, people like Terry Virgo, people like um, the early church here praying for Peter in prison, there was a passion and a 
decision to pray, an enthusiasm to pray. They knew wholeheartedly that he'd got out of prison before. They knew that God could break in. They were praying with a confidence in who God is. Sometimes we're more confident than others about who God is. The church were faced with a crazy king. He was after them. He was going to get them. But they believed in a crazy God bigger than that. So they prayed. They earnestly, passionately used this key, believed it was their one weapon. I think it's an absolute privilege to join in prayer together. I think there's something about joining in prayer that blows my mind. It's let's be honest, sometimes it can feel a little bit dry, but at other times, there's times when you just passionately hear the heart of people. You passionately see why they would want to pray to their God. I've witnessed prayers where someone has been severely ill. People here, and people have prayed. The earnestness, the decision, the desperateness has been there. You, God, are my only weapon. I've been in situations where there's been a financial crisis and I've been in awe of the people's prayers knowing that they have total faith that God is going to bring this right. I've been at the, near the death of a loved one, of someone very close, and seen the prayers of the person watching that person die and been brought to my knees in awe of the passion and the praise and the glory that's given to God in such times. I've seen people been betrayed more than you would ever imagine. And the forgiveness of prayers that have come out of their heart have been things that would blow anyone's mind. It's a privilege to join together in prayer. Serious stuff often gets serious prayers, doesn't it? And as I said, let's be honest, sometimes we don't feel like that. I've been the person myself in a situation where I've just not gone to God in prayer. Maybe you've been there too. Hit sad time, a lonely time, a desperate time, a time where I don't know where to turn and not chosen to go to God. When this happens, it is always tragic. It is always believing in a lie that somehow God's not going to pull through. It's always looking at the situation and saying, that's too big for anyone, including God. We've probably all been there at some point. I wonder how many of us have actually just faced a time fearfully, wondering what next, but not in prayer. How strong a weapon are we willing to believe prayer is? How strong a weapon, how strong a key, how strong and passionate are we willing to pray to God? Let's be honest and bring our hearts open to him. I love the Psalms because if one thing I read in the Psalms, it's honesty. I'm just going to read one out to you. A bit of Psalms 13. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? That's uplifting, isn't it? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How many of us have prayed that prayer before? How many of us have thought that but not actually prayed it? But the psalmist doesn't stop there. He goes on. He goes to God. He says, this is how I'm feeling. This is how desperate I am. And then he prays. But I trust in your unfailing love. 
My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. See, the psalmist looks and says, you are the only key. You are the only weapon. You're the only way I'm not going to feel like this anymore. He doesn't sit just in the emotions of this is hard. He's trusting in God's love. When I was preparing today, I just thought, I don't think people intentionally block God out very often. Sometimes we do. But I think unintentionally we block God out. Maybe today is a time to intentionally invite him in. Intentionally invite him in. Intentionally go to prayer. Intentionally say you are the only thing that's above this rather than unintentionally blocking him out and just getting on with it ourselves. Just wonder. I see more and more of this kind of attitude in our society. I see more and more a twist and a turn in our society that if we're not careful as a church, we might follow. That instead of being unashamedly reliant on our Father, unashamedly reliant on him being the weapon, him being the key, instead of this, we're actually come becoming more self-reliant. And the trouble is, we're not very good at that. We're not very good at doing all things on our own. And that's been the change in culture, self-help. How do we self-help ourselves? How do we self-esteem? How do we get good at being ourselves? And I just wonder how many of us are actually deciding to turn to ourselves to help, turn to professionals to help, turn to friends to help, turn to whatever to help, turn to substances to help, turn to mind-numbing TV to help turning to unhelpful habits, anything. Not all of these are bad, but what are we turning to to help? When we seek God last, this is always detrimental to us. Are we deciding, though, you are first, you're the weapon, you're the key, you're the way I can do this, and it's going, I'm going to you first. I want to pray that we have a God-given yearning We're told in scripture that we are yearning to be in relationship with him. We are yearning to be with God. What are we doing with that yearning? Are we filling it with ourselves? Are we filling it with other help? What are we doing with that yearning inside us? Brother Andrew is the founder of Open Doors, who is famous for smuggling Bibles into communist countries. He's a bit of a star. He is known for breaking through barriers that, humanly speaking, there is no way he could do. There is no way he could do them. He said this about prayer. Our prayers can go where we cannot. There are no borders, no prison walls, no doors that are closed to us when we pray. Do we believe that? Do we really believe in that? I want to come to a conversation with my Heavenly Father that echoes that heart. I don't want to be passively in a place anymore where I can take him or leave him. Never. I don't want to ever be like that again because when I'm leaving him, I'm not in a good place. I need him. We need him. Are we desiring and asking our God, are we praying to him as a God that there's no borders, there's no walls, there's nothing in his way? Is that our passion? How big or small are we making our heavenly father? How big or small do we consider him to be? I just wonder. Okay, we're back to the prison cell where, obviously, there are prison walls. And let's read the next bit of the passage. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains. And sentries stood guard at the entrance. (coughs) 
Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Get up, quick, get up, he said. And the chains fell off Peter's wrists. It's fabulous, isn't it? Fabulous. I want to look at something a little bit off off pat here, a little bit off what we're first looking at. We'll come back to it, don't worry. But I just want to say these words. Peter was sleeping. Peter was sleeping. I don't know about you. If I'm chained to two gods, I know my friend's just been killed. I know that's what Herod wants of me. I'm not sure I'd be sleeping. Do you think you'd be sleeping? He was sleeping. And I felt very heavily on my heart when I was preparing. I want to pray for us today. I don't know whether the um, prayer team have got badges already or not, Sarah. It's David today. If the prayer team have got badges together, put them on. If you haven't, just go and pray for people. Not just anyone. I'm going I'm to talk a little bit more. I just feel that there are people lying awake at night in our congregation, running around life problems, the what-ifs, and they're unable to sleep. And if we can gain some encouragement from this scripture right now, Peter was sleeping. He was sleeping. Have we got people here? Are we unable to sleep? How much can we say, actually, God, you can help me sleep. I will be a better person if I've had some sleep. I can trust you enough to trust you enough that whatever comes my way, you will be in control. If you know it's you that's really struggling to sleep because stuff's going on in your head, just raise your hands and someone will come and pray for you. Do it right now. It's fine. Prayer team, or if you're on any prayer team anywhere, just go and lay your hands on someone right now. It's okay. Everyone else, just close your eyes if it's not you and just pray right now. Father, this is, a, this is a thing that some of us do at different times, but for some of us, this is crippling us. It's breaking us. It's, it's in the way. The situation itself is hard, and the situation to trust you is too much. But actually, right now, I pray for a change. I pray for that picture, the chain mail. We don't want to be doing the same thing and keeping the same thing blocked. We want to imagine that you can go anywhere, You can obliterate everything. You are big. Peter was sleeping, and an angel came and poked him in the ribs and said, come on, let's get out of here. And I pray that you would do the same for every one of these people that are responding right now and say, you're not sleeping. You're not sleeping. Here's sleep, here's rest, and I will get you out of here. Father, would you come? Would you bring your blessing right now in your name? Amen. Amen. Okay. Sorry for that brief interlude, if that's you. Just keep going with God and keep asking God to help you with this. The what-ifs. Peter wasn't looking at the what-ifs. Peter was looking at God. So whilst this happening, Peter was snoozing away in faith. The early church were not sleeping. They were praying. And then they were praying. And here, at the same time, an angel was poking 
the waking Peter in the ribs and saying, come on, let's get out, at the same time as the people were praying. And I love this bit. I love the fact that Scripture is showing us, do you know what? At the same time that you're praying, something is happening. We don't always see that, do we? We don't always see that whilst we're praying, something is happening. But here we see very clearly that something is happening big whilst the people are praying. But they don't know it. They don't know it. I love hearing miraculous stories of God going where we would assume that the door is closed. Breaking through where we would assume the walls are not going to come down. We have a bi-monthly thing called Tea and Testimony for Ladies, and part of the bringing this about was that the testimony of people is such an amazing thing. To hear the testimony of God breaking into people's lives, the testimony of God carrying people through things that we couldn't imagine you could be carried through. I've been amazing. One person shared recently that while she was in the sad and difficult and lonely place, she'd suffered abuse, she was in an abusive situation at home, She came through because she had a safe place where God would speak to her. God would encourage her. God saw her pain and he came to her and she built up an amazing relationship with him. What she didn't know was there were people in this church thinking, that girl looks like she's going through a tough time right now. I'm praying for her. I'm praying for her. I don't know how it's going to happen, but I'm praying for her. She didn't know that bit. Somebody came afterwards to me and said, you know what, I was praying so hard for her during those years. We heard testimony to the fact that God came and she didn't know why. We heard testimony to the fact that during this hard time, God came and broke into her. And then someone says, you know what, I was praying. There were others in our group praying. We were praying. And then there's someone else that shared a few times ago who said, you know, as far as everyone could see, she was as far from God as she could be. She was the epitome of a prodigal. She was the person that looked like they were so far away, but they didn't look like they were coming back anytime soon. And family were praying for her. Family were continuing to pray for her. They didn't give up on her, although it looked like she'd given up herself. She never could successfully deny God in her heart. They didn't know that. They didn't know that. Because the surface looked like she'd well and truly denied him. She couldn't do that in her heart. This is encouraging stuff, because one day he brought her to her knees, and she came powerfully back to God. Praying people, praying faithfully, kept praying. Maybe we've been praying for a situation to change, and it hasn't seemed to change at all. We don't know what's going on. Maybe one day an angel's going to come and poke him in the ribs. We don't know what's going on. We are praying to the one who changes lives, changes situations, who breaks in. Who is God to us? Have we made him too small? Are we willing to make him big again? Back to the passage. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals. And Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. Then the angel told him, Peter Peter followed him out of the prison. But he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself, and they went through it. When they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. And when this dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, 
the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. So Peter, the man able to sleep, knowing that God could break in, when an angel came and did that, he went, oh, I just had a funny dream. That's how he thought. He was like, oh, I'm in a vision. So he had the faith that he knew God was going to break in. But when it happened, he was like, oh, is this happening or am I dreaming it? And I just wonder, are we able to relate to this? How many of us have said, I'm going to pray for that situation. And someone's come up to us and said, oh, such and such happened. We go, oh, really? Actually, how many of us are up for this and not surprised when God breaks in? I think we've always got a little bit of a surprise when God breaks in. And we can be encouraged here that Peter himself, he was enough faith to sleep. But when God did break in and God did rescue him, he was still like, oh, that's strange. I want to ask us, though, does our cynicism take us to a place where we would question that God would even do such a thing. That's different to being surprised when it happens. Where does our cynicism take us? We heard Rich talking last week. He's coming again to encounter tonight. Let's come. Let's hear some of the stories of what's happening in the Middle East. Where cynicism is, you know, it'll blow away because this is happening. This is really happening. I heard this week of a little girl, not in the Middle East, in Shrewsbury, where people have been praying for her. Her mum has died. And when she saw the person that had been praying for her, she didn't know that they'd been praying for her, but when she saw them again, she said, I've been having a funny dream. Keep having it. What's that dream? A dream that God comes to my mum in white and says, you're safe with me. That's happening here. Are we willing to pray for big things to happen? Are we willing to pray that when we pray... God's doing something in the hearts and lives of people that we love, people that we know. Hebrews 11 tells us that now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Our hope is in God. Our faith is in him. Do we dare ask him? What brings us to our knees in prayer? What will bring us to our knees in prayer from now on? Because remember, those words we've had means that God's ability is to obliterate different patterns that we've had and different boxes that we've put him in, different cupboards we've hidden him in, all of those things. He's willing, he's able to go continue on with the journey with us where our prayer life looks different, where we will get on our knees for everything. Are we willing to change things? What brings us to our knees? What is going to make us radically pray? We've got this community week coming up, haven't we? Are we going to pray for it? Are we going to throw ourselves into it? Are we going to be passionately involved and be expectant that big things are going to happen, that angels are going to come, that dreams are going to happen, that people are going to be in the right place at the right time? Is that our heart? Is that our heart? If we remember Brother Andrew for a moment, what are the walls that we want to see come crashing down? What chains do we want to see come off? The change of cynicism, the lack of trust, the lack of faith. What about change of self-reliance? Do we want these things to go? And do we want to see freedom come? I pray for freedom for our church, for our neighborhood, for our community, and for further afield. Because when we're praying, who knows what's happening? Somewhere completely different. I believe that many people here, I included at times, have shut down to the power of prayer shut down to the power of this God-given yearning within us to pray to him, his Holy Spirit power to come to us, us pray to him for big things to happen. 
If we've shut down, is it time to say, no, I'm opening up again. When we pray, people can have the angel poke them. When we pray, abused teenage girls in their room can have confidence in their father. When we pray, the prodigals can be returned back. When we pray, the hardest heart towards the Christian faith can be melted. When we pray, God moves. He comes in dreams. He comes in power. He comes in lives changed. Look at us. Our lives have been changed. Corrie ten Boom was a hero of the faith, a Dutch Christian who helped many Jews escape from Nazi Holocaust. And during World War II, she was imprisoned in Ravensbrück concentration camp. She asked the question, I love this question, is prayer your steering wheel or your spare tire? Is prayer your steering wheel or your spare tire? I don't want it to be my spare tire the optional extra that if something goes wrong, I'm going to stick it on and it's going to help me. I don't want it to be that. I want it to be leading, controlling, taking me, driving me, directing me. I want prayer to be the steering wheel of my life. Are you with me? Do we want prayer to be our steering wheel for this church? Do we want prayer to be the steering wheel in our lives again? Is prayer steering our lives? This is the question. Is it steering our lives or is it the spare tire? Peter knocked at the outer entrance, and a servant named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back without opening it and explained, Peter's at the door. I love that this bit got into the Bible. It's almost like, well, do you know what? Let's just throw a little bit of humorous line in just to keep us happy. Because (laughs) I just love it. It makes me smile every time I read it. Because there she is. Hi, Peter. Hi, Peter. It's Peter. Peter's at the door. Like, why doesn't she let him in? I just love it. There's something about it, though, that really encourages me because how many times we need to know the answer to the prayer. Sometimes we just need to know it. And she knew that they needed to know it. They'd been praying for days. And she's like, it's happened. The answer's happened. He's free. You need to know this. Obviously, they sort it out after. But that's Amazing. And I like the fact that it got snuck in. It's great. It gives us excitement. And it also gives excitement to say, you know, it's, we're allowed to be excited in the answering of the prayer. We're allowed to be excited together that our prayers have come to fruition. And it sounds like it was um, good, good excitement too. I'll come to that in a minute. Then they said to her, I love this bit too, because this is encouraging as well. You're out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said, it must be his angel. Like, they had the faith to pray for days. They were praying and praying and praying that he would be free. And they went, oh, no. You've got to be kidding us. It's not answered. Peter's not at the door. I love that. I love it. Because do we relate to it? How much, even when we feel confident to pray, how much actually... Are we believing that it's going to happen? And here, the early church, are they are our backdrop as to how to learn how to pray. And they still get it a bit wrong sometimes. They're like, oh, no, it's not going to be that. Peter kept on knocking. Funnily that, funny that. And when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Peter motioned with them, his hand for them to be quiet and described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. And then he tells them to tell everyone. They must have been pretty loud in their excitement. And Peter was like, shush, they're going to get me. 
you know, I've just got out. Don't be so loud that they're going to get me and know where I am. I think it's interesting. He didn't even go in. He just had to go and tell them that he was free. And then he had to say, shush, you're too excited. I love that too. How grateful and excited are we about our answered prayers? Because we can kind of come like that as well, can't we? Oh, prayer answered, tick. Bit of a boring response. But are we like, yes, our prayers have been answered. So loud that people are telling us to shush about it. I want to be that person. So if you tell me to shush, I know I'm being loud about prayer being answered. (laughs) Prayers were prayed. Peter got free. Prayers were answered. God is huge. God is faithful. What's our response to this today? What's our response? Praying without ceasing. Earnest praying. Are we excited? For some of us, I believe something's cutting in on us. Something's cutting in our walk, and we're not excited. We're fearful. We're cynical. We think we want to be excited, but something's in the way. Is today the day to commit to trusting again in the one that we're praying to? Trusting in the one who saves us, maybe for the first time, or maybe a recommitment to say, I trust. I trust in you. I'm going to choose to pray. I'm going to make a decision to pray. I'm going to go when it's dry and it feels a bit clumsy because I'm going to learn how to speak to you again. I'm going to open up my conversation with you. I'm going to join others to pray because I want big things to happen and I know you are my weapon. You are my key. You are the one who can do this. Let's be a church together pointing each other to the one who sets the prisoners free, the one who says there's no walls where I am, the one who breaks the chains, the one who brings back the prodigals. Let us pray again to him, to the one who is deeper still, the one who sustains us and protects us. Today, God might have been stirring you. And I believe if Keith and the band could come up, the best response to this is to worship. I've asked for two specific songs. One of them is saying who God is. You might notice the chains reference. That's, that's, that's why I chose that one. It's a really good, and can it be? The other one is spirit break out. And during the spirit break out song, I'm going to ask if you've got a personal response to this, just come to the front And then we're going to pray, then you go back, and then I'm going to ask Terry to come and pray for us as a church. Because I think that there's like a recommissioning. We've had this weeks of prayer. We're talking about prayer. We want to pray. Let's get on and pray. And I just want a commissioning from from Terry, whether it's completely biblical or not. I'm just going to ask for him to pray for us. I'm sure it is. I'm sure it's going to be all right, isn't it, Terry? Yeah, it'll be fine. And then I'm just going to ask him to come and pray for us. So we're going to worship together. I'm going to ask if you've got a personal response to this to come to the front. One quick prayer. You go back and then Terry prays for us all. Okay. Thank you very much. <laughs>